0: Welcome to The Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week, I'm joined here by Dwayne. I'm the only one left. You're the only one. You're the the only only one one that's been to every episode, along with me. I think that deserves a t-shirt. That does deserve a t-shirt. We'll we'll get you a t-shirt. So, episode 10. Very excited. We made it to double digits. Uh, the yeah. marketing and analytics department has actually really come through with our ability to get to double digit episode numbers. I'm happy. Uh, this is we've done this for ten weeks. Hey, we're we're getting better week by week. Shout
1: out to the uh, pandemic going on, but we're getting yeah. better.
0: Uh, yeah, we yeah we're definitely getting better. Uh, either that or we're getting more delusional. Either one or the other. <laughs> I think there's a fine line between those two. Uh so training this week was interesting. We had some rain yesterday, a lot of storms. Uh everyone getting ready for Keystone and for we have one team going down to Maryland to the OBGC Cup or Capital Cup. So the majority of our teams are going up to Keystone this weekend. I'm very excited for the tournament. One because uh it's the first time we're all going to a tournament together, which is exciting this year. And because I'm looking forward to the two teams that I coach. I'm watching them play.
1: Yeah. I love tournaments. Um, It's good because sometimes you get to float around and coach other people's teams on the sideline, help them out. So you get to see some of the kids develop that you get to watch and practice throughout the weeks and stuff like that. So it's a pretty cool experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We always talk about, we may not know every single kid in the club, but every single kid in the club should know all of our coaches. And, I know Dwayne's going to definitely be in some of my games because he's helping warm up some of my teams this weekend. So uh, I'm looking forward to just a tournament weekend in general. I think the restrictions and the guidelines that are being put out, I think will work. Um, I think the parents understand that this is about the kids, so it's really just a matter of following the guidelines and just kind of going with that.
1: It's about the kids, right? We want them to play. We want them to enjoy themselves, so – and the adults have to make the sacrifice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really what it comes down to. So, yeah, we'll hopefully have an update by next week of how everybody did. Um, I, I At least my goals for this for this coming weekend is for the 08 girls team that I coach, our goal is to continue to show our style of play that we've been working on, that the girls are starting to understand. And for the 2010 girls is – basically start showing their their, their style of play. They're they're starting to come together as a team. There's a lot of new players in the group, so they've adjusted really well. So I'm really looking forward to watching them play their first official game uh, out in the world, which is good. It's exciting. And then the rec season starts by next week. So, by the way, I, I didn't tell you this. I'm working on a very special guest for next week. Uh, I'm I'm hopefully going to get somebody to talk about recreational soccer and transition to travel soccer. For, that's an expert on the on this on the matter, so hopefully she'll she'll come into the podcast next week. But rec starts next week, so rec registrations are are still open at DelawareUnion.com. So make sure you you go there if you have any questions. Uh, I'm looking forward to the discovery program. Uh, my daughter starts soccer next week at Delaware Union for the first time ever. So that's going to be really exciting. I'm going to see if I can make it, depending on where my games end up falling into place. But I'm going to see if I can make it. Uh, I'm thinking that, and maybe this is, I'm asking for your advice. Should I go to my daughter's discovery program practice with, like, my Delaware Union gear on? Or should I just go almost, like, incognito just as a regular dad? I think you go as a parent. Yeah. Go as a parent. Now, my my wife is going to participate in it, not me. So. I think you you should go as a parent and enjoy it. I might just sit in the chair. That's That's all I've ever wanted. It's sit in the chair, right? All I've ever wanted was just sit in the chair. There you go. Bring a
1: newspaper, sit in the chair.
0: Newspaper. Shout out to Coach Chad that reads the newspaper every single day.
1: Or bring your dogs. You can walk your dogs while they're at practice.
0: No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that that doesn't involve me sitting in a chair.
1: Just trying to think of some of the stuff that our parents do.
0: You could work out. No. 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 But but I I might take your advice and just go as a parent and just sit there and just enjoy you it. You Enjoy it. Take pictures. There you know, go. Picture, pictures for the grandparents. Yeah, that that I might I may really seriously do that.
1: I think, I think that the majority of coaches, I mean, I think even Chad would say, just enjoy it as a pair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With us today, we have Tori Walquist. Tori is a PhD student at UD uh, who is, what, what are you doing your PhD in, Tori?
2: So it's biomechanics and movement science. So basically studying human movement is what it is.
0: So Tori's doing a uh, PhD in biomechanics and human science. Hi, Tori. How are you? Good. How are
2: you?
0: I'm good. Uh, so Tori actually did a research project with us uh, two years ago at
2: this I think point. about two and a half, something like yeah, that. Yeah, two and
0: a half years ago with our 2006 girls at, at the time. And um, she'll tell us a little bit about what she did before. But Tori is looking to do another research project with uh, our club and she's going to be working with a lot of our teams so Tori what is it that you're doing in this one now
2: so the current one that I'm looking at it's a part of my dissertation so it's the last step before I can graduate so almost there um but with this one I'm going to be looking at the ages of 11 to 13 years or that U12 to U14 age group um so, what I'm looking for is just to see how many times these kids actually head the ball during a practice, during a game, throughout the whole season, that kind of thing. Um, we're also doing some simple, like, concussion testing preseason and then postseason, seeing if that changes at all. And if it does, if it's related to heading, if it's not. Um, so, that's kind of, like, the main uh, overview of my project.
0: Okay. So... With that information, what are you hoping to find out? Like, what do you? Is there is there a hypothesis involved in this? Are we? I'm trying to go back to my like failed science fair days.
2: Oh yes, of course. We always have uh hypotheses for these. Um, so from what I've kind of witnessed before working with your group, and I've worked with another group too, I've noticed that like they don't head the ball very much. It's like once every th- three games, I think is what I had it calculated out to, and then maybe just practice some and do some headers in practice, but it's, it's not very many. And plus that's restricted with that rule, um, from U S soccer that those 11 to 13 years are only allowed to head the ball, like 15 to 20 times per week in practice. And then you can head as many times as you want in the games. And that's, basically what my project is based off is looking at those age groups because these ages, the cutoff ages, um, they were decided with no like evidence to back that up. Like, Oh, this is the age group. We should maybe limit the heading because it has this effect, but we don't know that. So that's what I'm trying to figure out with my project.
0: That's awesome. That's actually, yeah, it's really good because I can tell you that I've asked that question uh, (laughs) before and no one seems to have an answer. So I know, at least I know that you'll hopefully have the answer very mm-hmm. soon. Yes. Um, so, is it is your research specifically only focusing on soccer, or are you looking at other sports as well?
2: Mine is only focusing on soccer. Um, I know with like um, the concussions and stuff, how it's a huge like prevalence in the media and like in other youth sports. Um, there is some other research in like uh, football. There's lacrosse um and like ice hockey. Those are kind of like the main sports that are kind of getting researched with with this topic.
0: Okay. So why did you pick soccer in general?
2: Um, I, I used to play soccer as a kid a little okay. bit. I mean, I didn't go very far because I chose another sport, but I thought it was it was fun and interesting. And plus um my advisor, he was more interested in like the youth soccer. And so I just hopped on board, and here we are.
0: <laughs> Is that Dr. K? Yep, Dr. K. Yeah, Dr. K. Yeah, we we've worked with Dr. K. We had when Tori, uh, we got to meet Dr. K. When Tori first came out uh, to do her first research project. So, um, so in general, so let, let's let's go back to your background in general. So you said you used to play soccer, and then you you did another sport, and we'll talk about your another, other sport in a second. Mm-hmm. But um, so what? so this is going to be your phd so what happens once you get your phd what are you looking to do afterwards
2: that is always a good question everyone asks that um so my main focus is kind of going into the sporting industry direction so i'm not looking to stay in academia um i guess with the sporting industry you can do a whole ton of different things um it's obviously like sports There's any sport you want to go into really. Um, I think I know like some people have gone to work with like Nike or Under Armour, that kind of stuff. Or I'm also, I also like ice hockey. So like you could work for like one of those companies, maybe designing equipment or kind of doing like the biomechanics aspect and seeing how it enhances performance or something like that.
0: That's really cool. That is really cool. So um, throughout your, throughout your academic history what advice do you think you have for players that is there a way to minimize the impact uh when it comes to heading outside of just in general like training or just good techniques that we can teach from a soccer perspective but is there a way that if you are going to get hit with a ball in the head or you're going to collide with something with somebody is there a way to just basically like we do um Injury prevention for like ACLs and things like that. Is there injury prevention for concussions?
2: Um, Yeah, I think it's just kind of working on the basics and the techniques. So like if you're going into a header, definitely like have your arms out to like protect your space for sure. That way you hopefully don't hit heads with someone else when you're both going for the ball. Um, another like factor is like the physics concept um it's newton's second law but basically you don't want to have like a bobblehead effect so you want to like use your neck muscles and um make sure your head stays stable with your torso that way you have more mass all together and then hopefully like your head acceleration then decreases with the force that the ball hits you
0: okay so would like neck strengthening exercises help in the long term or no or not really make a difference
2: um, we did find some changes in neck strength, um, some increases in it. So I think it is helpful no matter what, I think just doing some neck strengthening, a little bit of core strengthening too. Cause then, okay. cause it all, it all just kind of comes together. Um, so I do like neck and core strengthening for sure.
0: Awesome. Good. That's all part of the FIFA 11 plus that we, <laughs> that we in general do with our players. So Good. that, that's really helpful. So, the other sport that you decided to do mm-hmm. was figure skating, right? Yep. yep. So you now coach figure skating. I do. So, how, so two questions. One, is there, uh, just like we have in soccer, when it comes to concussion protocols and the training that we have to go through as coaches, do figure skating coaches have to go through the same training? And how has coaching figure skating been in this new world that we're all in?
2: um yeah so like with respect to concussions every rank has their own protocol they're normally pretty much the same but um typically we just have to make the skaters get off the ice right away have to see have them sit for a while see how they're feeling that kind of stuff um and then just relay it to the parents i have had uh at least one skater who has gotten a concussion because they fell and hit their head on the ice so it's it's scary all together anyways especially with the ice kids are more susceptible to fall and ice is hard so
0: (laughs) yeah i don't i can't imagine figure skating and hard ice let alone soft ice so i'm assuming that's you, yeah so Mm -hmm. will do you think in general but is the does does with u.s figure skating the do they have like concussion certifications or training that coaches have to go through in general i i'm very curious to see because it it is a topic that everybody talks about Mm -hmm. but everybody seems to kind of be doing their own thing uh and as you even mentioned some of the stuff that has been mandated or said that we're supposed to be following doesn't have a whole lot of uh research that can be pointed to to say it makes sense at this age or doesn't at this age or
2: Mm -hmm.
0: why why certain amount of headers for practices and you know or or things like that so at least in your experience from figure skating is there something is there a training that coaches have to go through because i know safe sport the safe sport training is now Mm -hmm. being mandated through the majority of the sports if not all of them by this point yep so how does that work for figure skating
2: yeah we have safe sport as well. I think, so I think SafeSport has like a little section on concussions for us. It doesn't have like a huge section. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like a uh, recognize the symptoms of a concussion and just kind of steps you should take afterwards. Um, Then we also, I teach like learn to skate. So group lessons. So the learn to skate program also has like a little section on concussions and Just kind of a recognized, but it's not like super in-depth training or anything with that for figure skating.
0: I know for us, from a coaching perspective, we had to, everybody had to retake the CDC (laughs) concussion heads up (laughs) certificate. Even if you've done it the last year, you had to retake, everybody had to redo it this year. So how has coaching been for you when it comes to figure skating in general, considering things are, things are different now?
2: Yeah, so I actually haven't been coaching too much. I only have a couple of private students. And I think they're doing some other stuff during the summer here. Um, but otherwise, with like our group lessons, our learn to skate, they haven't been going on this summer. Uh, I think we're actually gonna start up in a couple of weeks here. So we're actually decreasing the number of kids that we have in classes. Um, we're decreasing the number of classes that are on the ice at a time. So we're only gonna do like half an hour of a lesson with maybe like four different groups on the ice so we can space out, um, us coaches, we have to wear masks, obviously. Um, and then I think with those group lessons, we're going to have an extra like half hour so we can make up for that extra, like the classes, I guess, that get cut from the one session. So they can, they can still skate too, but it's kind of (laughs) crazy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is, you're going on what year at UD?
2: Starting my fifth year.
0: Starting your fifth year. Yep. So did you do your master's here as well? Or is it one like one master's PhD combination? Because I know UD has a bunch of different like combined yeah. programs, three plus two, seven plus one, or, or I don't know. know a <laughs> yeah. seven, seven plus one, but I'm just that one. I think I'm making up.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I am, I actually don't have a master's. I, Completely skipped the masters, so I went from the bachelor's into a PhD program. So I started actually in the mechanical engineering program. I did that for about I did that a year, and then I switched over the biomechanics and movement science program because it was a better fit for me. And I uh, met with Dr. K, and we had a pretty good fit. So I decided to switch programs, and I think it was a good switch for me. But yeah, I'm in my fifth year so
0: okay all right so what's your bachelor's in
2: um it's applied physics and then i have a minor in math
0: that sounds uh smart (laughs) very smart oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that sounds yeah that sounds like a lot more than i could probably process uh in my entire life (laughs) so um so within the research that you're doing now, so what are some of the other things that are going on at UD research wise, like from other people? And cause I know UD has done a ton of research and they, I think that's a big focus for them, especially with star campus and like exactly what it, like it's massive. Uh, mm-hmm. that building is, is gigantic. Uh, and I've been inside of it. I think I'm actually, because of your research, I'm in the, one of the screens that rotates around.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, so I've
0: been, I've actually, uh, my one moment of fame uh, where uh, I've gotten somebody that comes up to me and goes, Hey, I saw you at UD when I was walking around star campus and I was like, Oh, that's awesome. It's great. That's thanks to Tori.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, I walked in there and the first time I saw it, I'm like, Hey, that's me. <laughs>
0: there you go, see. So what's, what else is going on at UD? Like as far as research?
2: Um. Yeah. So our kind of our sister lab, more of the concussion lab, They're working on like a ton of different stuff. One of my roommate, she's working with like rugby players, and then I think she was doing some like military cadets. Um, And then another one in that lab, they're looking at like post-concussion symptoms and um, like persistent concussion symptoms that have been like a year out from like their concussion, and they're still having issues. And that's like in an older population. So that's with like the concussion group. Otherwise, some other people are working on like ACLs and ACL reconstruction and how that looks like a year later. And then like, I think they're doing like a 10-year follow-up with that. Um, So they're looking at the biomechanics of that, seeing how it changes over the time, I guess. Um, Let's see. Some other people are working on like Achilles tendons, looking at that, using some ultrasound with that. Um, and then I think another big prevalence at UD for sure is like stroke patients and working with them and how to figure out, like, how can we help them improve at a faster rate and get them to a higher functioning ability, I guess.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting that you said that they're they're talking about long-term effects of a concussion. So it's safe to say that there's a lot that we still don't know when it comes to, like, there's still a lot that we're finding out about concussions, really. Like,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's-, there's some people, though, we cover within your normal time frame, like 21 days or so. That's about normal. And then you have some that still just have symptoms, even like months down the road, a year down the road, and they're just still having issues with it. And it's trying to figure out, well, why do they have symptoms now versus those who recovered within like 21 days?
0: Interesting. That's really interesting, yeah, well, thanks Tori, so much for for coming in and also uh giving us a lot of information that we did not know before. Uh, I know it's very helpful and we're really excited to uh to be a part of your research project we're we're really excited uh one because this is the second time around, and we're when we we did it the first time and we had a good time with it and second because we we do we, we absolutely believe in anything that UD does when it comes to mm-hmm. research or any university university in the in the state that does research and wants to partner with us or or basically you you know can't come and take advantage of the fact that we have kids playing soccer and hopefully our kids benefit and ultimately future generations of players will benefit as well. So mm-hmm. so thanks so much for for coming in and talking to us.
2: Thanks for having me. All
0: right that was awesome. Thanks for Tori to coming in to to talk to us about concussions and research and all everything she's doing there and that's that's really good information for us to know so we i recently i started this this week this week at practice and i wanted to get your opinion on this so for a while there we were moving away from the idea of players coming in to play when they get to practice so basically as they get to practice, just jumping in and playing, we got away from it mostly because we we're still trying to sort out how we're going to handle pennies and, and things like that. I'll, and I think for the most part, or I, I know for a fact that we've done a much better job of it. So we have a very good system now where obviously nobody shares pennies. Mostly each kid has their own penny. Um, and then we take them home and wash them in between. So, The one thing I did notice, though, in the practice that I did this week, where we had a player that was, or we had players that were able to play ahead of time, I noticed that their practice was way more focused than it had been in the past. Um, I think that it has to do with the fact that they're able to get almost that, a little bit of that silliness and that little bit of that energy out as they come into practice. So by the time we really start, five or 10 minutes later, their focus is dead set on practice.
1: I, I mean, I like the I, – I love the idea of starting practice with, like, a rondo because, like, especially for the older kids, they're just getting touches and it's almost like part of your practice. Like, you're covering, like, the basic defending, passing, creating an angle for another guy, one-two touch. I like that because it really gets them in the rhythm and then once we get the warm-up, we can kind of hop into – what we're trying to accomplish for the day we don't have to really like kind of warm up with like a one two touch passing thing like we're already ready to go so yeah. like how oh, like you know especially if you're trying to have a, a higher intensity session that you can use the rondo to kind of ramp things up too
0: yeah for sure so i think between a rondo a moving rondo or just even a small side of like 3v3 4v4 game i think those are things that are very helpful for our players or, or for players in general. And I think that was something that we had, we started back when I got to the club, the club was already doing, and that was five years ago. And that was obviously thanks to, to coach Lou for, for giving us that advice. And ultimately us soccer went into this play practice play model a couple of years after, and we had already implemented. So everybody's like, Oh, play practice play. And we're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been doing that. We we've been doing play practice play so that's so that's that's really good that, um, I I really enjoy it and there was something that I've missed uh, I miss doing it so I'm excited to have the ability to be able to readjust and make sure that everything's safe and be able to add that component into because I think that does help it, it helps you get off to the right and the right foot uh, when it comes to your practice
1: exactly and rondos are enjoy they're social enjoyable like if you're if you're focused enough, you can sit there and chat and play and laugh and yeah. Especially for the clock.
0: older players, that's what they they need that a little bit of that at the beginning of the practice. Now, I will give a coach a shout out to Coach Kyle. Coach Kyle has Rondo rings, so he's got these giant rings that he puts it on the ground. They're probably like a ten yard circle um, that. Players now stand inside of it And now do their rondo So you don't really need the cones You just use these rings So it's pretty cool Yeah, if you have never seen that Yeah, Coach Kyle's
1: got I've been watching uh, Coach Kyle From camp and stuff And I like the stuff that he has
0: Yeah Coach Kyle has a lot of really cool equipment
1: He's got a lot of cool equipment He's got a lot of good stuff Yeah Maybe we need to get We talk to his people Get him up here
0: yeah, yeah, we'll. I de- yeah, we'll definitely. I mean, Coach Kyle came, uh, moved down here last year from New York. Was coaching college for ten years, and now he's coaching youth soccer with uh, with us. Uh, so that's really cool. So yeah, we'll we will try to get with his people and see if we can get him on the podcast. That's a that's a good call that they're doing. So one of the things that's going on, and I was I texted about I texted you about it yesterday. So the UEFA Nations League started up again. Did you watch the Germany-Spain game?
1: Yeah. Um, I was actually kind of anxious when you texted me to see what the squads were that were brought down. Um, I knew that most of the clubs, with it being like a short um, break between the seasons, would probably bring in their younger uh, players. And that ended up being kind of what it was, was the next group of players with some veterans mixed in. Um, but I thought the Germany-Spain game – I mean. With that group of players, I think both managers were looking just to see how players fit in. weren't really going for the result.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, what was what was kind of cool was the fact that uh, Germany didn't basically didn't bring any of the Bayern players uh, outside of uh, the only one that was allowed to was Sane uh, because. He just transferred into Bayern, so it's a little different he <laughs> yeah, He needs as much playing as possible because he's coming back from his ACL. So uh, so they did, they gave everybody all the Bayern players off, which is cool because it allowed to, it allowed you to see different players that haven't really gotten to play a whole lot, like Kevin Trapp playing in the goal, who hasn't had that many caps for the German national team, obviously, with with Neuer playing in there. Um, that's probably
1: the only time he's going to get in the goal because they're it's probably good for that number one spot too.
0: Yeah, but he's not going. To, I mean, at this point, it's just that's a eight two, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, what I thought was cool from uh, from Luis Enrique, the the Spanish manager, uh, two things I thought were exciting. One, the fact that Jesus Navas is back in the national team. At 35 years old. Not only that, he's been playing as a as a right back lately, and he played as a right winger, which is back to like his beginnings. Man City days. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see. And that guy has Jesus Navas in general has a very cool story. If you've never if you've never really researched him before or know much about him, he was a very like sought after talent when he was very young uh in the spanish national team like the youth national teams and things like that the problem was is that he had major anxiety so to the point where he was like having almost panic attacks before like youth national team games and things like that so how in general how long how far he's come in general is is awesome to see him back in a national team is even better Um, right and then the other part which i thought was really cool was at halftime we got to see a change of a player that we haven't really talked about a whole lot. We talked about his other buddy, but we really (laughs) haven't gotten to talk about Ansu Fati getting a national team cap and almost getting a goal uh, on his debut, except that he got called back because of a foul. But uh, yeah, and and Luis Enrique basically said ahead of time that this would have been his squad for the Euros. If, If the Euros would have happened last year, that would have been his squad, and this is basically going to be his squad for the Euros for next year. So that's exciting. Good,
1: yeah, I like it. It's it's youth. It's that next. I think they realize, you know, going into the next World Cup, a lot of these guys that have been, I think they said there was a couple guys. I think Jesus Navas might have been the only guy from the 2010 World Cup winning team. And then there was a couple guys from Germany in the 2014 team, but it's like turned over a new leaf.
0: Would well, I mean, Sergio Ramos was on there.
1: Sergio Ramos as well, yeah. Yeah,
0: because I think De Gea was maybe not on the squad in 2010. Probably not. Uh, but, yeah, but, I mean, Sergio Ramos was there. Busquets might have been there as well. Busquets, yeah. Busquets might have been there as well. But, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, Rodrigo playing up top. Ferrin Torres, who's who just got signed by City.
1: Yeah, it's like that next New Blood guys starting to make those big moves and starting to get minutes for their clubs.
0: Yeah. So, very exciting. What I, I thought was also exciting was two things. One, uh no background noise. Like, no background, like, FIFA, like, made-up stuff in the background. Literally, all you hear is the players, which is awesome. Uh Because I don't speak German, but I do speak Spanish. So, hearing the Spanish players talk, I could hear exactly what they were saying. Was not, that was really cool. And two, it's been 10 months since we've seen any sort of national team play. Yeah, that's kind
1: of crazy in itself. So,
0: so the fact that we were able to watch uh, not only yesterday, and there was a lot of games yesterday, but also this entire week, there's a lot of games coming up. You know, Italy plays today at 245 against Bosnia-Herzegovina. Um, you got Scotland-Israel. That'll be a good match in general. Uh, Tomorrow, you got Sweden-France, and that's going to be a good one. You got Portugal-Croatia, which will be exciting to watch. And you got Denmark against Belgium.
1: All pretty so, good games.
0: All pretty good games. And you got a Belgium that's coming off of having a new coach now because their coach left. Oh, no, sorry, not Belgium. That was the Netherlands. Sorry. Yeah, that was the Netherlands, not Belgium. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Their coach is Roberto Martinez, right? Martinez, yeah. No, Belgium has Martinez. I like him. No, uh, the Netherlands, I think, will play at some point uh, in the coming week. Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, and then the other game that you got tomorrow at noon, Iceland against England. So, that'll be a fun game in general, too, because Iceland's made a lot of uh, waves when they went to the Russia World Cup. So, that'll be exciting to watch. So, in general, that's really some cool. new upcoming talent coming in there as well. Yeah, because then you get to see a lot of these younger players that, like, you, Phil
1: Odin's about to make his first cap. That's kind of hard to believe.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that'll get a smile out of him. <laughs> probably, probably not. not. <laughs> yeah, probably probably not. That's asking for a lot. But yeah, so UEFA uh, Nations League. So that's that's really cool. So. Uh, moving into the player of the match, which also leads me to one other piece of information that since that's happened since the last time we had the podcast, which was the women's UEFA Champions League final. So Wolfsburg-Leon, the final. Leon wins it. And my player of the match is going to Wendy Renard, who is the captain of that Leon team, who has won it not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, five times in a row. Five Champions League in a row for Lyon with Wendy Renard on the squad.
1: So, I mean, I guess that's, a, that's, a, that's an insult to uh, Kingsley Combat, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 There you go. Lyon, five time in a row champions of the UEFA Women's Champions League. Uh, so, congratulations to them. But also congratulations to Wendy Renard because she's a captain of the team. Uh, if you don't know who Wendy Renard is, she is the 6'2 center back for the France national team. Uh, I remember her from last year. Yeah. Uh, she's very tall and also very good. Yeah. Um, so that's my player of the match.
1: Um, we already kind of hinted on my player um, Ansu Fati. I thought that's pretty remarkable at the age of 17 to make his debut for a country that's as good as Spain. You know, it's kind of, you're from like one of those lower end countries. You kind of make your debut a little bit earlier. But for someone like Spain who just won a World Cup 10 years ago, um, they've been unbeaten for two years. So he makes his debut. Um, And like you said, almost scored a goal on his debut as well. So I think he's the youngest player in like 86 years to debut for Spain. So that's pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And speaking of Spain, this is a great segue for our On This Day in History. So, Duane, what were you doing September 4th of 1960?
1: Well, neither one of my parents were born yet, so um, I probably wasn't.
0: (laughs) Okay, So, uh, so September 4th of 1960. So, if you follow soccer history of the world or soccer championships of the world in general, so the winner of the Champions League. Now we see it as the world as the Club World Cup. Before the Club World Cup, uh, there used to be the Intercontinental Cup, which was the winner of the Champions League and the winner of the. Copa Libertadores, which is the Conmebol version, the South South American version of the Champions League. So, in 1960, it was the first Intercontinental Cup. September 4th, so back in those days, they used to do a two-leg event. So, the first one, so it was Penierol from Uruguay against Real Madrid. So, the first game was in um the first game was in uruguay uh and just to kind of give you an idea of how long the trips were back in those days because they traveled by boat i was gonna say i probably
1: thought they didn't fly at this point yet
0: no the first game was july 3rd the second game which ultimately why is uh why today on this day in history is this day was September 4th. So it took them two months basically, because I think it took them like a month to get from one place to the other. So September 4th of 1960, uh, Peniro and Real Madrid play the second leg of this and they play in Real Madrid. Um, so they play the second leg of this intercontinental cup. The first game was zero, zero. Uh, So basically, whoever won was was the champion. A waste of a trip, isn't it? (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: Real Madrid wins five to one. So Real Madrid, September fourth, nineteen sixty. So sixty years ago today, Real Madrid won their first Intercontinental Cup, uh, and they would win it again two more times in ninety eight and two thousand and two. So here is the other question that I have for you: two players. Scored that day One of them scored twice One of them scored once Two players That not only for World soccer Or world football But also for the For Real Madrid's history Are Massive Massive Do you want to venture a guess As to which one Give me The two players
1: I can't even Start to even like
0: yeah, okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. So, in that squad, in that 1960 Real Madrid squad, you had Alfredo De Stefano. If you've never heard the name Alfredo De Stefano, this uh, he was a an Argentinian-born soccer player who played at Argent who played in Argentina, played at River Plate, then went to Colombia, and then went to Real Madrid, and then played for the. Back in those days, you could play for multiple national teams as long as you were a citizen. Of those countries. So he actually played for three different national teams. Played for Argentina. Played for Colombia. And then played for Spain. But Alfredo Stefano, By many. uh, Who have. Who were lucky enough to watch him play. Say that he was better than Messi. Better than Maradona. And better than Pelé. Pelé has actually said that he's the best player he has ever seen. Before as well. Uh, And. Uh, so DiStefano passed away in 2014 uh, at the age of 88. But he, his, uh, the Real Madrid training ground stadium where their second team plays uh, is named after him as well. So just to give you an idea of the quality of strikers that I'm that we're talking about, he was, he played at Real Madrid, played 282 games, scored 216 goals. So, close to a ga- a goal game.
1: Goal cool game, yeah. Goal game. It was Zlatan before Laton.
0: Oh, yeah. So, second player on that squad that we're going to talk about really quick because we want to make sure everybody understands and knows his name. So, Dwayne, have you ever heard of the Puskas Award?
1: it goes to the best goal scorer uh of the year, right? Yep. Of all leagues, right?
0: It goes to the best goal
1: best goal in all the
0: in all the world, right? In all the world, yeah. Every year FIFA gives out the Puskas award and that goes to So, that's actually named after a player named Puskas who was from Hungary, played at Budapest played at Budapest and then also played at Real Madrid with Di Stefano. So, when we talk about goals, he might, I mean, there's a reason why the best goal of the year go, is named after him. You've got to
1: be able to score a goal if they're going to name that after you, right?
0: Uh, in his career, at Real Madrid, 180 games, 156 goals. In <sighs> his entire career as a player, 530 games. 514
1: goals. That's, an am- that's amazing.
0: Yeah. I was, I was talking to my dad about it before and he said, he's like, he, the one thing he said is you have to take it with a somewhat of a grain of salt because you have to think soccer was different, a little bit different back then.
1: They didn't do like substitutions back then. Did they?
0: Well, not only that, I think the, the defending was not the same. It's not not, you're not talking about the same kind of physicality. But at the same time, to still score that many goals, though?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're still, a, there's, there's still, like, some similarities,
0: right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to think, all the all the things that go into it, right? You got heavier cleats, cleats that were a lot heavier, a heavier ball. Uh, so, just that in general just gives you a whole entire sense of, surfaces. like... Surfaces. The surfaces, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's not well-manicured fields. Actually, you probably played on some dirt, like, some straight dirt surfaces. Yeah. So... So, yeah, so that was on this day in history. So, very, very exciting. 60 years ago was the first Intercontinental Cup. So we probably sent each
1: other like telegrams on the score <laughs> <laughs> so that they could get repped for the next game.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so Fair Play of the Week. So, I'm giving my Fair Play of the Week to uh, NBC Sports because NBC Sports recently announced, uh, as of today, I believe, they announced that they're going to be showing the FA Women's Super League. So the English Women's uh, League, they're going to be showing a lot of those games uh, on their streaming services, and a couple of them will be aired on TV. Maybe some of them will be live. So this uh, this Saturday, it's Manchester City against uh, Aston Villa, which Manchester City recently signed Sam Mews and Rose Lavelle. Roosevelt won't be able to play because of quarantining of when she just got to England and things like that. But Sam Muse will be able to play. So that's exciting. So yeah, we'll be able to.
1: For, it's good for the women's league over there. Um, we've had a couple of players go over there, but I think now the NBC sports is going to like kind of take it to the next level. You've yeah. More players start to go over.
0: Yeah. Gives you the notoriety that you're looking for.
1: Yeah. Which is exciting.
0: So I'm excited for your fair play of the week.
1: So my favorite player week goes to um, Brazil and the England uh, National Football Associations. Um, most of, both of them, I think, since January, have paid both their men and their women uh, equal pay for the national teams. Um, and I think there's about 12 other countries that are in discussions about also equaling their women's pay to equal their men's pay for, for national sides. So that's good.
0: That's um, really good. And that's a and and for the from the Brazil's perspective, that's a big credit to a lot of it. Were Marta. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, she made a very big statement at, at the end of the World Cup in last year when Brazil got knocked out, and she said, "You know, this is for this is for the younger players. Like the younger players need to step up. At the same time, there needs to be support, and there needs to be a focus on women's soccer in Brazil. So, so good for good for them. That's awesome. Yeah, I think
1: it's a good start to you know." push change to the rest of you know the world.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. You're absolutely hundred percent correct on that. So all right, before we leave, so we have to get our players to start doing our challenges or else I'm just gonna you
1: have to send this out to the coaches.
0: Yeah, or else I'm gonna end up with a giant stack of scarves that I'm never gonna be able to give out. Uh, so our D union FF challenge. So hashtag D E union F on our Instagram, which is at Delaware Union Soccer, or Twitter, which is Soccer, or our Facebook, facebook.com slash Delaware Union. This week, because we have, um, because we're in a tournament, the majority of our teams are in a tournament, we're going to look for the best individual goal celebration. So if you want to post one, you celebrating a goal that you score at home in a bucket in a goal trash can uh through your brother's legs whatever that's fine or we're gonna as a as a, as a staff we're gonna look for the best individual because obviously we're gonna be socially distant not high fives no hugging anything like that with other players so individual goal celebration um i think that's something that gets missed in the youth game goals don't get uh, celebrate a whole lot They don't get cheered on uh, Obviously parents cheer We as a coaching staff cheer But the players Sometimes just turn around And go back to midfield And I'm not saying It has to be anything Too elaborate To embarrass anybody Or something like that But Just like a good like Fist bump In the air Or a jump or, or something Like We don't want, want anything
1: to... Like that Icelandic Like hockey or soccer team That was like Riding the bike,
0: no, 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 nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're not <laughs> rowing a boat, you're not doing anything crazy on the floor, no, no, no.
1: But well, socially distanced,
0: baby. Yes, everybody has their own boat. <laughs> uh, but I would like to see, I'd like to, I'd like to give an award out this week for the best goal celebration. So I'm encouraging my teams when I show up to my games tomorrow, best goal celebration wins a scarf.
1: I already have a player in my head that I could, I could. <laughs> <laughs> and we can find something funny for them to do
0: perfect yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to that and if we can catch it on video even better even better we'll
1: put it on our uh, social media page
0: that's right facebook.com slash Union, instagram at Union Soccer, or twitter at Soccer. so uh duane good luck in your games this week uh and this weekend uh I will see you at the fields. I'll see you at the fields. I'll, we'll see everybody at the fields. Corvus oh, yeah.
1: I'll, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow.
0: That's right. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember always receive the ball on your front foot.